Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and this podcast is about sharing everyone's story. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. It does not matter what walk of life you come from. You're all welcome on this show and platform. Now let's end the stigma and break that cycle about people being afraid to talk about all these different things. Let's make people afraid not to talk about them today. So with no further ado, I'd love to introduce to you my next guest, Des Scredding from Alberta, Canada. You want to take it away and let them know a little bit about you, please? Hi, yeah. Yep, my name is Des, or I also go by Desiree, and I am out here in the beautiful land of Calgary, Alberta, out here in the mountain area. Lived here for the last, oh, wow, okay, 10 years. Now I'm sounding, realizing how old that sounds now. Uh, I still think I just moved out of my parents' house last week, so when I say it like that, wow. But yeah, I'm currently in the process of stripping off some old labels and finding some new ones, or just choosing not to have any two bigly ones attached so it's a good thing no that's amazing and just stripping everything back and just building that foundation from the ground up again is really important i like to start off the show though too with one important question how is your mental health today today was a really good day and for me it's a taking it a day by day kind of mentality that i subscribe to and one of the biggest things for me was when I was able to finally step back and self-assess. And when I started practicing self-assessment was when I was really able to help myself out of the issues in the day-to-day things that I used to struggle with a lot more. When I can babysit myself and be my own caretaker, you can step out of that situation you're in and see it as a third person. Like this is Des reacting to the situation in this way because of this background information that you have. I just have such a better time sailing through those issues now than I used to. And that's important that you step back, you know, and take yourself even out of your own shoes and look at the whole picture around before you go reacting to everything. Absolutely. The last job that I had, part of the requirements for the patients I was working with was for them to do a daily self-assessment. And especially for some of our adult clients that didn't have someone at home to help them with what we were requiring them to do they would have to really dig deep and say, okay, this is how I was feeling in this moment. This is how I think I did. This is why I think I did it. And in that case, I think when you're starting to ask people to do that and then report back to you, you can't help but start to do the same in your own life. Oh, and it's so true. You got to practice what you preach basically at the end of the day. Yeah. And those were the people that really were successful. The ones that could take a look at the situation and be like, yeah, I had a really poor day on Monday, but it's probably because of this. And I know that Tuesday is different than Monday. You can't predict the future and you can't worry about what happened yesterday. No, and you can't let it spill over into too many days in the future either. No, most definitely. So I, guys, I want to let you know, so I came across Des through another guest, Angelique McLeod, and that's how we connected. And they've connected doing modeling and stuff like that together. And they've become like sisters from another mister, as they like to (laughs) say. (laughs) Totally. But what was the point in your life, I guess, that got you into doing the modeling and stuff like that, Des? Yeah, that's a funny story. I could talk nonstop about my respect for her because I think really what got me into this was just to say I could. The history for me behind that is I was relentlessly bullied when I was a younger kid 
for how I looked and being overweight. And it's terrible to get bullied for any reason. But for me, it was just never something that I thought I'd ever not have happened to me. And I always looked and I always saw people getting their photos taken and thought I would love to have that happen for me someday, but that will just never happen. And I'd see people that looked like Angelique and I'd say they wouldn't even want to be friends with someone that looked like me. And as women, we are bred to be so competitive with each other that I could never share a platform with someone and be able to uphold them unless I was tearing them down and surpassing them. And really, I just on a whim submitted some photos that I had done as just like a shot in the dark to say if an agency would even want me. And uh, I was really surprised when I heard back and signed with an agency and I was like, wow, okay, I'm doing this. But even now I'm even uncomfortable with that label because I'm like, that's not all I am. And I don't want people to think a certain thing when they hear, oh, Des is a model. I'm, I'm, I'm more than that. <laughs> No, I know, but that's just one part of your life or one little piece of your life and your story. And, and and it's an amazing one, though, To from what you just shared. You were surprised yourself because it's almost like you didn't believe in yourself at first and don't take this the wrong way at all. But like you, but then once you got that call back, it's like it, it gives you that confidence, though. It probably boosted your confidence a lot, though, too, right? Absolutely. The last, like... Through COVID and the pandemic, it was a lot of time to be at home alone and reassess. And I had the option to go one way and sit on my butt and wallow in self-pity. And then I had another direction that I could go where I could pick myself up and reinvent myself and use this as a time to be proactive and launch the next phase of my life. And that's what I decided to do. So I changed some of my lifestyle habits. I changed what I did in my free time. I started going back to school. Um, I changed my appearance. I changed everything about myself, not because I necessarily wasn't happy with it, but more so I was like, let's use this as a launching pad. And I couldn't be happier to see where it's launching myself now, because honestly, I don't think I would have ever met the people that I did if I hadn't have taken that leap of faith especially during COVID and reached out through so many people through Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. And I've had an unbelievable time. And it's almost, you feel guilty saying that about 2020 and the pandemic because it was so hard for so many people. But for me, it was such a year of good growth. And yeah, I guess I shouldn't be guilty for saying that, but I no, am. You shouldn't be guilty. <laughs> like, I, I found growth in so many different areas of my life other people's lives, growth in relationships that I built, got rid of the bad and in with the new sort of thing. And it was just time for change. And I found lots of growth. I didn't let the pandemic per se hold me back at all. It just, I, I seen so much growth through it and it just keeps going up and up. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, to further answer your question. Yeah, it was a, a very good time and it was really more so just to say I did it. And now I've done it. So now I need to find the next thing to say I did it. <laughs> and you're just going to keep working hard one day at a time. Absolutely. Doing things that no one thought I'd be able to do, that I didn't think I'd be able to do. When you stick labels on yourself, like I am bullied. Am I now? No. Do I still want to keep that label to myself? No. Yeah, people can be mean and stuff, but I don't want that to be part of my identity. I don't want people to 
stick something on me that, you know, I was five years ago. So that's been a big theme in this year as well as just shaking off those labels that people still want to attach to you that you're just not. And I think it's ridiculous for people to think that people don't change over time. I'm not the same person I was. So for you to think that means that you're just being short-minded. <laughs> well, that too, or they have their own insecurities at the end of the day. Like people don't think addicts change or people with mental illnesses, you know, or mental health issues can change. There's change. If they want it, they will get the change they need or get the help they need. And I've seen it in myself and many people around me, the change that's happened. So it can happen. Absolutely. One of the my favorite things that my mom said, uh, and my mom struggled with addiction for a large part of her life, was that she was never ashamed to walk around when she was drunk or high or whatever, but she was ashamed when she got sober. And she's that was totally backwards. I should have been in the office that I've been should have been so proud. But it was just when I was realizing of all the things that I used to do, that's when I felt ashamed. And she had to work on herself for quite a long time. And I've always kept that with me. Don't be ashamed of of who I am now because I've put in the work. I am different. I'm really proud of who I am. And that's a lot of hard work that I've done to, to be the way I am now. I appreciate you saying that because for myself, for many others in active addiction or coming you know, into recovery and stuff like that. I don't like to put that label on because that's my past. That's who I was before, like talking about I'm a, I was an addict or I am an addict. No, I'm not an addict no more. I've conquered that. I've come past that. I've put down the drugs and I've become a whole different Chris. I don't like using that term though or those labels. Like you said, I love that you brought up labels tonight. It's a great conversation because I don't like, and, and I don't care if people from NA or AA hear this one or not, but I just don't feel <laughs> after being in the, in recovery for so long, like, why do I have to call myself an addict? I'm not an addict no more. I've, yep. I've overcome that stuff. I don't, I'm not out there robbing people or doing those things that I used to do. That's not who Chris is today. So that's not who I'm going to acknowledge myself as. Exactly. And through various jobs I've had, when I have worked with people who have had serious offenses in their past, the people that really are successful after coming out of prison for a long stint are the ones that acknowledge what happened and then say, but I don't do that. I am not that. I am John. I am Chris. I am Lucy. And I am not this thing that I did. And that's how they have to mentally recap and go forward with it. Because if you were to attach the label of, I am this really bad person and I am this for the rest of my life, how successful do you think you're going to be trying for things? You won't be. So really, I think the only fair way to define and summarize who I am is to say, I am Des. And any other thing you want to attach to me, I can't sum it up in a quick 10 second segment. Like, you know, I am but- Des and I'm a kick-ass woman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> that won't change. But even saying that, I wouldn't have been able to say that 10 years ago. I remember when I entered university, just apologizing after every single sentence, because I thought I was in the way I thought no one wanted to hang out with me. And it wasn't until I actually had my first solid group of friends that were totally just a mix of guys and girls that were platonic friends, where they're actually, we're saying, you're actually a really fun person to be around. I had never had that before. 
I came from such a small town that half the people in my class are my cousins or relatives where you're forced to be together. You have to be together. You don't choose your friends. You're just acquaintances by force. And so when I got to a big enough town of Calgary where you didn't have to be friends with anyone was the first time I felt people choose me to be in their circles. And I just remember my confidence just starting to soar as I came into myself and started to discover this person's laughing at my jokes and no one has ever laughed at my jokes before. Like just stupid stuff like that. But yeah, it's amazing what, when you're not forced to be with people, those people are amazing people. <laughs> exactly. I, I totally get where I get where you're coming from and totally see and hear you. I, I'm putting myself in your shoes here and because for so long I was a people pleaser, but I didn't have to do that once I got my shit together and people just seen me for who I actually was and I didn't have to prove any points to people. You attract the people that you want to attract then. Absolutely. My entire life, I was so used to walking on eggshells from just the home life that I had. And they always say like the eldest child has a certain personality. The middle child has a certain personality. My siblings are significantly older than me. So my brother that's closest to me is is nine years older than me. And so I grew up quite alone with my parents. I would say I'm more like an only child mentality when you're growing up. But as a kid, you get so good at trying to keep the peace when you have the ability to read the differences between mom and dad. And if I just say this, and I just have this ready, then there won't be a fight. And when you take that forward into your life and you realize you're really good at reading people, you can fit a lot of different jobs and you can be quite a good chameleon. I'm not sad that those circumstances happened to me. They made me who I am today, but it's just unfortunate about how it had to go about happening for me to develop those certain people skills. Totally agree. And you've hit so many awesome points so far. I want to break into <laughs> my next question though. After talking before we came on to record this episode and stuff, and when you sent me some things, but I want to touch on when do you know it's time to cut people out of your life, Des? Well, that's a good question. If you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I would have had a different answer than what I had today. 10 years ago, I would have said, don't cut anybody else. You don't know when you'll need them again, or just keep them at arm's length. And now I would just say, I've cut a lot of people out of my life on purpose when I've started to realize that the cons outweigh the pros. And when you're not getting an equal effort being put in, to what you're trying to put in. If I'm trying to connect with someone and I'm always doing the reaching out, I'm doing all the driving, I'm doing all of that, and I can't get any of it reciprocated, I need to reassess. There might have been a time period for that person to be in my life that may no longer be relevant. Like I was saying, people change, labels change. If I was at a stage in my life where I really needed that person to be there for me every single day. And now I'm more independent and I don't need that. And they're still wanting to be super clingy and super in my life. I need to reassess. Is this a relationship that I still need to devote all of my time into that I need to keep putting all this effort into? Or do I recognize what I'm needing now, which is maybe some more space and start putting the effort into what I physically need? Maybe I need to get my own place. Maybe I need to have my own time on Saturdays that I never had because I was always with this person. So if the person cannot grow and adapt with you and you're growing and adapting in a different direction, 
it's going to cause so much more friction to try to drag them with you than it would be to be like, I'm here, but this is what it will be like if you're with me in this phase. So yeah, I guess it's just when it becomes more effort than what you're willing to put in. I like that you say that too. Like I've had those types of relationships and friendships over the years as well. And I've been the one on the other side of it too, where I've been cut out too because of my actions from my past life. But I I totally get what you're saying though, with like you putting in all that effort and not getting any reciprocation in return, whether it's you always doing the driving, doing, making the effort to reach out to see if so-and-so wants to do something and they're never doing it in return too. Why should I put in all this effort if they're not willing to do anything in return either? Absolutely. And I think another thing that people don't think about, or that at least my family's not very close, but we're all on the same page, which I've always appreciated about them. We could go six years without necessarily seeing some of them and pick up right where we left off. And it's not that I'd necessarily say I cut those people out of my life, but I'm not going to make an effort every single day to connect with all of them just because we might share the same last name or come from the same grandmother. I think people think that there's a huge familial duty uh, that they have to do just because they share the same blood. And that can be some of the most dangerous relationships that you feel obligated to have and that you can't get out of because there is that assumption. And that's my personal take on family. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm with you there 100%. I've cut some family out. I've set boundaries up where I only do texting with certain family members and stuff like that just because I, I just don't feel the conversations are there if we talk on the phone. I've set the boundary. We're just going to be texting till I feel I'm comfortable having phone calls again and things like that. Or I've cut people totally out because I don't do those things I used to do either. And they're still doing that kind of thing. So we, I have nothing in common. Absolutely. Boundaries are so important. And I wish that was a class in high school and university that they made you take is how to set your own boundaries. Because whether that's in a personal life or in a professional lifestyle, if you can't set boundaries you and you are a people pleaser, you're going to run yourself ragged and burn out so quickly because you'll want to do everything for everyone to make them like you and be the person that you think they want you to be. But realistically, we all know we can't, but we still think we can. And so when you sit down with yourself and you have those boundaries that you draw, especially with family, who is probably where, where all of our people pleasing mannerisms come from, you're definitely going to be better off for it. And that's the hardest thing to do especially if it's a parent or a sibling. No, it really is. And, but boundaries are huge now. Like I've learned that through therapy, whether even it's with your own partner or like you said, or your parents or whatnot. Like I've learned to be able to, communication's key, I I find. If you can't communicate, then it's not going to go. No, absolutely not. And I think half of communication is is trying to get through the point across that you're trying to, but also then listening saying, are they receiving the boundary that I'm setting because you could set the boundary and they might not receive it and you think they do. And so you go forward with it and they're not honoring it and you think there's a disconnect, but they never accepted it in the first place. So then you have to decide, okay, going forward then, if they're not honoring it, what's my next step? Exactly. And that's a hard decision to make sometimes. No, it really is a very hard decision, but sometimes it's much needed to for your own mental sanity. Yeah, that... To go back to your first question of how my mental health is today, when I said it's a daily thing, it it is because I need to set boundaries with myself too. 
And I don't think people think about that either. What boundaries am I going to set with myself in terms of the goals I want to get done today? Do I want to set goals today? Am I going to be obsessed if I don't hit all the goals today? Am I going to be okay and still love myself if I don't get this goal that I set done? What am I going to say to myself if I surpass it? Am I going to reward myself? Then am I going to punish myself if I don't? So I've started to have this whole self-dialogue with myself and really get to know myself. And you know what? I really like her. This girl's pretty great. <laughs> she treats She's herself amazing. pretty good now. Have you ever had an encounter, a strange encounter you can't explain or you are scared to whether it be paranormal or? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Oh, gee. Probably. There are some things I just can't share due to the nature of some of the jobs that I've had. But I think one of the things that I don't want to call supernatural, but maybe it was, I was walking downtown Calgary late at night and I had just finished training at a job downtown and for whatever reason decided, oh, it's 1130 downtown late at night on Calgary. I can just walk to the C train by myself brilliant thinking when I'm 19 years old. And so I'm walking downtown and I swear that there was someone following me and I would turn around and he wasn't there, but I felt it and I could feel the eyes on the back of my head and I would turn around and I would look and there'd be no one there. And I'd turn around and I'd look and there'd be no one there. And it got to the point where I was like, do I double back? I don't want them to know where I'm going or I don't want them to get on the train with me. So I was just really nervous and I go back and there's no footprints other than mine. And so I don't know that feeling where you just feel like you're being watched. I can't explain it, but that's the closest thing to paranormal I've had. I don't know. It's a boring story. You caught me no, off guard no, with it. <laughs> no, I, I feel you there. Like sometimes you're walking and you really feel that there's something behind you. And, and it sounds like this was wintertime if you're looking for footsteps now in the snow, probably. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I feel you there with the eye or you feel someone's watching you or, but you look around and there's no one there. You just can't explain it. Or if there's maybe a spirit from a past family member following. I can't explain it. And there was another time where I was mowing the lawn and this is going to sound hilarious to you because that's like it's summertime it's july it's probably one o'clock in the afternoon and i'm mowing the lawn not really the start of a real haunted story um but i swear i could hear someone calling my name but it was only when the mower was on and so i remember just like crying because it sounded like my mom who was hurt and i drove across the whole farm trying to find her and she was weed whipping in a corner. She's oh yeah, no, I've been here the whole time just weed whipping, but I could still hear her calling me. And to this day, it still gives me goosebumps when I think about not answering a parent that's been hurt. And you get like that, like your hair stands up on the end where you can imagine like your child crying for you, but you can't find them. Like that eerie kind of feeling where you can tell they're in distress. You can tell that they've been hurt, but you can't get to them. That's one of the worst feelings, I think, when you like, you can go save but you can't find them. Yeah, that would be a very eerie feeling. I've never had something like that personally happen to me, but I, I totally get where you're coming from there for sure, Des. So but what, I think that would be it. What? Yeah, that would be it for that? <laughs> what is the main thing on your bucket list to do still in life? What's your main thing? That's a good question. Bucket list. That would imply that there's an end to the list. And I don't think... I want there to be an end or a list or the top 10 things. I think it's just to have as many unique experiences as I can, like 
the best way I can equate to it is if you've ever been on someone's Instagram who's super trendy and they have a certain aesthetic, so they only post pictures that are like dusty pink with gold theme and it's all with the same filter and it's all the same look. I want my life to be the exact opposite of that. I want my life to have a photo that's represented where I'm down in the dirt fencing at the farm. And then the next photo is I might be in a glamorous dress and high heels. And then the next photo is I am scooping ice cream at a, a ice cream parlor. And then the next one is I am wrangling calves. Like I just want the most diverse portfolio I can possibly have. So as for what's next, I'd love to work at a wildlife conservation center rescuing uh, native species. That's the next thing on a bucket list item. I'd love to do a trip where I'm working with some ecological system. I've always that, been a big bio nerd. That would be so that fun. Just... That would be so much fun, actually. And when I was out in Kelowna, for anyone that's been out there, if you haven't checked out the kangaroo farm, check it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, I was and... out there and it was so amazing just to play with the kangaroos and stuff like that. I've never played with a kangaroo or I've never even, I don't even know if I've ever actually seen one at the zoo in Toronto there either. But no, fair enough. Yeah. And you might never get a chance to again, unless you go to Australia. Yeah, no, that's probably the, that's probably the only next place I'd be able to see one, but they are very friendly there. And it was just lots of fun just to interact with them. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I love animals. And that's another thing, just getting back to my roots and remembering what I was passionate about as a kid. When I was growing up, like I said, I didn't have a lot of siblings and my mom always had to work. My dad was farming full time. So it was left on my own quite a bit. And I was always playing with the chickens and the cows and the horses and the dogs. And that's where I spent the majority of my time. Those were my friends growing up. So that's what I wanted to get back into. So what types of animals did you guys have on the farm? Yeah, we were a beef farm mixed with crops. So we always had a couple hundred head of usually Red Angus, Hereford mix, some Semitol in there now. Before my time, we had Longhorn. And before that, when my great-grandparents came here, it was sheep. But yeah, always a few horses, dogs, chickens. It was a great childhood. Like I look back on it now and while there's always negative parts of it, I really think it was as close to a Disney princess origin story as you could get in real life. And that's what I like to say it as. It launched me forward with some unique experiences that I don't think a lot of girls my age got to have. And I think the farms out West, I have friends in Ontario here that have farms and stuff, but I don't think they compare it to out West. Like I had a, we have family out in Hannah, Alberta. So they mm -hmm. had a huge farm out there too. So it was, it, I remember going out there as a young child in the early nineties and it was just so much fun running around that, you know, they had thousands of acres and just roaming around and driving around in the tractors, chasing all the cats and the cattle. And Absolutely. We were on dirt bikes as soon as we could touch both sides with our toes. And to have that experience where you can just go and you don't see a neighbor for miles and you get to be you. I will like never forget being on the top of a hill and the wind's just blowing through you and you can't see anyone. And I remember feeling so devastated when I first saw them put up um, wind farms in the horizon, because I thought, now they're messing up my horizon. I'm seeing human life <laughs> in my view that I had never had to see before. I, I led a very sheltered life. I will tell you that, but we're working on that now. So it's all good. <laughs> hey, it's how, there's never too late to get out and explore, Des. <laughs> I'm learning that. I'm learning that. Yeah. But it's always nice just to try new things, adapt. Change is good, I find. Change is good. Um, 
I think what my parents had wanted, they were very strict and I was very sheltered, like I said. I never had seen my first experiences with any controlled substances until my first job working in a facility where we had to monitor and check for that. And I remember just being so out of my element being like, I think this is it. But what do I say? I don't even know what this looks like. And so talking to my coworkers, they just laughed at me and I felt like such a noob, but I didn't know what it was. And it was so hard to gain respect of people when you haven't had life experiences and they have, and you're in the authority position and you have to tell them this is the rule. So I have to send you back to prison because this is what I saw. And they're like, you have no idea. You have no idea. You don't know my story and you don't know what life is really like. And I had to agree with them. Absolutely. But I also know that this is what I have to do and I'm really sorry. And that was some really good growing up experiences for me. No, it's, it's so true. Like when you don't know or you know, I give an example of time, like my partner didn't know what the drugs were either and stuff like that till she met me and the life experiences, like she was very naive to it and didn't know what someone looked like when they were on these drugs and stuff like that. So I totally feel and can sympathize with you on that part too. Like when you don't know, you really don't know. Absolutely. Like I look back now and I think, wow, I was really don't know what I was thinking when I was 19 applying for some of these jobs. Like clearly I hadn't had any experience, but the people that hired me, I guess thought I was a good fit. But just looking back on it now, I'm just like, what was I thinking? I had no life experience. I don't know how I'm supposed to help these people through things. <laughs> but <laughs> like I said, you know what? They probably taught me way more things than I was ever supposed to help them through. Yeah, so yeah. in that case, <laughs> it was great for me. They paid me to help me. <laughs> hey, you learn lots of things then in that job that you're just talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I've worked in a few positions now. I've worked in, in different homeless shelters, I've worked in youth detention center. I've worked in a rehabilitation center in a halfway house as a vision therapist in a medical clinic and now heading into veterinary medicine. I don't know if you can get a bigger range. I'm just trying to get it all, I think. Hey, your life's too short to not do things you want to do. That's right. Maybe I'll join you and sell some cars here in a couple of years. <laughs> Giver. It's, <laughs> it's fun. I enjoy chatting with people. And well, you, I enjoy helping you, right? people. So there you go. It's, it's a win-win. Perfect. <laughs> and I want to touch a little bit back on boundaries now. Do you put up boundaries on any area of your life to keep people out? And if so, what areas do you put boundaries up on? Oh, that's really good. Yes. Now I'd set boundaries. I think before I really struggled with it because like we said, people pleasers, if they want to ask a question, I want to have an answer for them. And so now it's gotten to the point where through some experiences I've had, there are just some things I just don't talk about or I won't talk about in detail. And that's either to honor myself or to honor the people around me. So with having an online presence, what I share and what I post, I can't control who sees that, but I can control what I put on there. And the boundaries that I have set up are more so what I project on my online profile. If we're talking just social media wise and what I share with people on social media, if I'm talking in a job, there are boundaries that I set up, especially with coworkers or with clients negativity breeds negativity. And if I'm with negative people all the time, 
I'm at very big risk for becoming super negative about something myself. So some of the boundaries that I've had to recently put into place is if something's headed in a negative direction and all we're doing is gossiping or all we're doing is talking about something and it's not helping the situation, I have to physically remove myself and I'll walk away or I'll go to the bathroom and excuse myself. And usually just that short little break to just take myself physically out of the situation if I can't change the conversation is enough to come back and it's changed or it's stopped or it's we're on a different topic already. If I can't change what the people are saying and I can't change their thoughts about it, I can change and I'm responsible for my own actions. And yeah, that boundary of, okay, if the situation can't change, I can take myself out of the situation. It was a hard like one, it. but an important one. The circle of control, as I've learned at therapy, there's the inner circle is you and the outer circle is everyone else. You can control what you do, what you say, how you react. And you can't control anything around you. So if they don't want to change or whatever, you can politely tell them, hey, this is making me feel uncomfortable. Can we stop? And if they don't want to, then that's your boundary. That's your, your pointer, your red flag. All right, that's time to put up that boundary or that wall on that certain area sort of thing and move on. Absolutely. And like I said, as a people pleaser, you want to keep the conversation going. You want to be like, I totally understand. Yeah, I agree with you. There are some things where I just have started to be like, it's okay if I don't agree with people on every little thing. I don't have to be this person that's just super agreeable. I can have my own opinions. I can choose to share them or not, but I am allowed to have my own thoughts and processes about things. And so in that case, yeah, yeah, that's been a very big growing up aspect for myself that I'm still working on. <laughs> Definitely still working on. Yeah, hey, but I think it's a work in progress. Those- Absolutely. And it starts with those safe people, right? Those people that you are your ride or dies, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm going to express my opinion and this might piss them off royally. But at the end of the day, I know that they still love me and I need to share this because I don't agree. And it's important for me to be true to who I am. Exactly. And you couldn't have said it any better. I love how you explain it with the boundaries things too. Like you got to have different boundaries in different settings for different settings and stuff like that does for sure. And whether coworkers, clients, friends, family, everyone has to have boundaries because if you don't, it's shit's just going to get out of control. Bottom line. Definitely. And I do truly believe that everyone is entitled to have their own opinions. I really do, because that means I get to have my own opinions about things. And I totally believe in and reciprocity or being reciprocal. So if I'm allowed this, you're allowed that. It doesn't mean I agree with you, but it makes me into a space where I think I feel safe. So therefore I want to make it safe for you. And and that's really hard to extend to people on the other end of the spectrum from your opinions, but it makes it so that it is fair. And that's very hard to be the bigger person sometimes, but you have to do it. Have to do it. I never used to know how to take the high road. I've learned a lot over the last couple of years how to take the high road and just be that bigger, more mature person and be the adult, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I found that being an adult means sometimes fighting for what you believe in and also sometimes just biting your tongue. Yeah. Just sometimes shut up and just walk away is probably the best bet. If it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, it's better just to shut up and walk away. (laughs) Exactly. And that is so hard, but sometimes again, the best option, honestly, in that situation, are you going to beat your head against a wall until it bleeds? It's just your head that's bleeding. The wall doesn't bleed. You got to say, okay, can I save the situation or do I need to just do my own thing? Yeah. Making that call is again, like setting boundaries, walking away when it's no longer lucrative for you. 
I, I appreciate all your insights tonight, Des. And before we go, can you share, let everyone know where they can follow you or where you're most active? And if they'd like to follow your you know, journey, your story and stuff like that, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at Descret. I think that's D-E-S-K-R-E-T. Uh, and that's where you'll find most of what I'm up to and what I'm doing these days and what I'm trying to discover and adventure into. And that's really the only platform that I really... Thank you again for coming on the show today, Des, and sharing your story, some insights, and some really great conversation was had today. But before you go, if you guys, if you really like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, leave some constructive criticism. I'm always looking for feedback in any which way or form. Or head over to Anchor FM, and you can leave a voice message on the, about the show there, and I will get that voice message. I always love listening to different messages from everyone. But till then, thank you, and have a great rest of your evening. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode with Desiree Scredding. It was an amazing time chatting with her. I learned so much from her about values, beliefs, core values, you name it. We talked about it in today's episode. If you could all head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, write a little blurb about what you like, what you don't like about the show. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Or head over to Anchor FM and leave me a voice message. They are all always greatly appreciated. If you'd like to follow the show, head over to Instagram and click, or type in, sorry, at Depths of Dark Side, and you'll find my Instagram there. I share about everything from my personal life to everything about the show that's going on. And a little bit about the next guest coming on the show. Her name is Steph Kewen, and she's been sober since 2017 was originally diagnosed in 2016 with bipolar disorder and she felt we talk about feeling really low after the birth of her last second son and talk about hypomania and what the definition is behind that but all in all she's a really creative writer copywriter she ghostwrites and she also has her own show called cutting through chaos and we talk about the differences between mental health and mental illness you will not want to miss this episode, everyone. Take care and have a great rest of your day, folks.